Let's see. We're on the work of the Holy Spirit and uh, back after uh, Christmas break. And I heard that Paul Wagner did a very good job teaching on the minor prophets and heard some very good comments. And so I was thankful, thankful for that. We'll finish up that uh, this uh, uh, plan to finish up this topic this morning. Definition on the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. To manifest or show, demonstrate the active presence of God in the world and especially in the church. And so in the first two weeks that we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit, we talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit empowers, the Holy Spirit purifies, he empowers uh, for, ser- for giving us new life and empowers us for service. He purifies. He's the Holy Spirit. And his work is to convict of sin and then to work in us to make us progressively more holy, more Christ-like in our lives. He reveals, uh, the Holy Spirit reveals by inspiring the work, writings of the biblical authors and that way he reveals, but also he teaches and guides us and reveals in that way. Now we're coming to point four and five that we finish up this morning. The Holy Spirit unifies, and the Holy Spirit gives evidence of God's presence. Uh, Let's see. Under the Holy Spirit reveals, last time we were together, that was November 25th or whatever it was, I touched on something at the end, and so I'm just going to pick up on that as a matter of review and then go on to the to the Holy Spirit unifi- uh, unifies. The Holy Spirit reveals uh, number three. He guides and directs God's people. Um, uh, Galatians five says, "Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh." And then down a few lines, "If you are led by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If we live by the, live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit." Romans 8:14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And the um, verb here is in the present tense. We could translate it. Uh, for all who are continually being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. <clears throat> um, so that looks to me to be something that Paul says is characteristic of the Christian life, ordinarily or normally, um, to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and that's going to come into play here in a few minutes as we talk about the uh, Holy Spirit giving evidence of his presence. <clears throat> and then the Holy Spirit, this is just at the end last time, provides a godlike atmosphere when he manifests his presence. Atmosphere of righteousness because he convinces the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Atmosphere of love, Romans 5, 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. An atmosphere, Romans 14, 17, of righteousness and peace and joy. That is when the Holy Spirit reveals or manifests God's presence, we should sense that we are in an atmosphere of love, of peace, of joy, of righteousness, and holiness, and justice, and truthfulness. Um, Those are just different ways of describing the way the Holy Spirit imparts a sense of the presence of God. And then his character, as the character of God, becomes evident in the conversations 
that we have, in the thoughts that we think, in the feelings and desires that we have in our hearts and minds, the Holy Spirit provides a godlike atmosphere when he manifests his presence. And so with that background now, we go on to point four, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit unifies. That is, the Holy Spirit comes on a community. And in Acts 2, the disciples were gathered there at Pentecost. And uh, Peter explains that God had prophesied through Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And the way the Bible sometimes reinforces the fact that everybody is included is it gives these pairs of opposites, and by that it implies everybody. And so the, the, the pairs that are given here are sons and daughters, young men, old men, male servants, female servants. So it's just taking different classes or different groups of people and saying, look, this is for males and females. It's for people who are servants and people who are masters. It's for people who are old and young. And that's just a way of emphasizing that the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost to be poured out on all of God's people. When Paul goes over in 1 Corinthians 12 to talk about spiritual gifts, he says, to each is given, to each one, to each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit has been given to you, has been put within you, and will begin to show himself and manifest himself in some general ways, <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit becomes produced in us, and then in specific ways, he gives you a desire to be involved in caring for people in this area. He gives somebody else a desire to be involved in another area of ministry. He gives someone else an area, oh, well, Monty's talking about having an opportunity to minister to or talk to or bear witness to someone he's riding the car with. There's, there are different opportunities that open up, and the Holy Spirit provides those and guides those. And I'm looking at Ruth here. You've been involved in women's ministry. And I think that probably what happened, I haven't talked to you about this, but before you got involved in the women's ministry here, there was probably a sense of, maybe I should do that. I wonder if I should do that. And you start thinking about it week after week. Is that, and, then, and then stronger, it keeps, you can't get away from it. And there's, I really want to do that. So the Holy Spirit um, comes on us as believers. Is that what, that's what, and then, and then, and then you start taking steps for, forward and say, this is right. This is what I should be doing. Um, and I had that sense, though I went to speak of that thing in England, kind of crowding that into those few days. But once I was there, it just seemed so right. And the Lord's guidance on the sessions and the way the taping went and everything, this is what God wants me to be doing. So uh, the Holy Spirit comes on a community and calls other people to serve in different ways. Maybe it's just caring for a neighbor or caring for a relative or you know, just however the Holy Spirit moves you and leads you. But that will be evident in some way in all of our lives. And then um, there is a caring for one another that comes about when the Holy Spirit brings this unifying, unifying influence to a community. And what happened in Acts 2 was all who believed were together and had all things in common. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was so powerful that any need that people had, there were people just saying, oh, here, I can meet that need, I can meet that need. There was such generosity. They were selling their possessions and belongings, delivering distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And then day by, day by day, attending the temple and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. See, there is worship here and having favor with all the people. And the Lord is adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. 
It's very interesting. They weren't just going to the temple once a week. Day by day, they couldn't stay away. They were attending the temple together. They were eating together. They were praising God together. And I've read stories at times of revival where this happens. Christians just, they just want to get together and worship and pray more. And they, they long to be in that sense of fellowship where the Holy Spirit draws them together in a community. And then there's that joy of being in the presence of God, which the Holy Spirit gives. Um, Paul talks about the unifying work of the Holy Spirit, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Right at the end of 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I think that means, and that word fellowship is a Greek word koinonia, which you've probably heard before. It means a Holy Spirit-inspired caring for one another, unity, desire to be together with one another, enjoyment of one another's presence. Philippians 1-2, Paul talks about this. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation, and that's koinonia again, and it's variously translated fellowship, sharing, relationship. It has to do with this one another sense that the Holy Spirit gives, caring for one another. If there's any participation in the Spirit, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Paul says, follow that out. Follow out the implications of the Holy Spirit's work. Uh, be unified, be of one mind. What was the percentage vote to call Jamie Rasmussen here? 96? 96%. How can you get 96% of all these different funny people going here? Scottsdale Bible Church. How can you get 96% of people to vote for anything? Isn't that the Holy Spirit's work? Isn't that a sense of bringing the church to a sense of unity? Seems to me manifestation of that. And we're thankful. Ephesians 4.3, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And I, I, I think that um, there's another observation here, and that has to do with spiritual gifts. Sometimes there are controversies about spiritual gifts in the church. And they've sometimes been kind of divisive, those controversies, different views on spiritual gifts. But that isn't what's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is that different gifts draw us together because they make us depend on one another. <laughs> it was kind of funny when Monty said to Jack, are you going to come up here and sing? Jack said, no, I'm not going to sing. Kevin and Andrea already sang. We depend on Kevin and Andrea for singing. We don't depend on Jack for singing. Amen. Okay. So, but, but we're all touched and moved by the singing. Okay. So that's the Holy Spirit working and giving gifts to some people and not to others. And, and, and you guys are out on the field as missionaries. We're depending on you to do that. You're kind of encouraging, hey, are there other people? That, and, and the Bachelmans have gone out from us and others have gone out from us. And uh, the Holy Spirit moves in different people's hearts in different ways. But we do different things. And so we depend on that. And I'm depending on Trent and Daryl to be here and set up. And wouldn't you know it, one week in three or four, they get here and something's wrong with the computer back there or the projector or the lights or something. But they're here early to get it fixed. And we come in and think nothing of it. I depend on them to do that. And so Paul says that 1 Corinthians 12:21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or the head can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. And 
that's to get us, that's to encourage us to depend on each other and care for each other. Um, if I had to get that projector going and get the um, get work out all the glitches with the computer back there like they did this morning, I'd come up here to be teaching and I'd be full of stress and I wouldn't know if it's going to work again or not. And but I'm depending on Trent and Daryl to figure that out for me. And so it is in the church generally. Other people do other things and we have to be thankful. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works, giving gifts to different people to do different things. That's does that make sense? So different differences should unify us. That's not the way the world would think. The world would think, hey, you're different from me. I don't want to have anything to do with you. The church thinks, you're different from me. I'm thankful for you. Is that, am I making sense? That's, I think that's a really healthy perspective. And you know, over the years, the Scottsdale Bible Church grew and grew and grew under Daryl Dell, who says leadership. As I look on what I at least saw, that a little bit of that, I think it was because Daryl had a strong sense of this. Somebody came with an idea for a new ministry that Daryl wasn't involved in. He didn't have any interest in a ministry to the deaf, a ministry to divorced people, a ministry for um, mixed families, a ministry to homeless people, a ministry to the poor, a ministry, whatever kind of thing. And, and, and Daryl would say, thank you, I bless you, I want to encourage you, how can I help you? That is, encouraging all kinds of different ministries. Rather than saying, as you know, some pastors can do, and they'll stifle the growth of a church. They can say, well, unless I'm in charge of it, it's not going to happen here. And that, that, that's trying to control everything yourself, and that will be, you'll be a bottleneck for, for the growth of a church. But instead, oh, the Holy Spirit's given different callings and different ministries to different people. I bless it. I bless it. I bless it. And the mission work. Okay, you want to do that? I bless that. I'll support it. I'll be thankful for it. Comments on that? Unity comes through encouraging diversity. Paradoxical. But it's the way God works. And then we can be thankful for each other. All right? Do we need to seek more of the Holy Spirit's unifying work in our ministries? What if you had no dissension or divisiveness in your ministry or your church? Actually, I think that's about where we are right now in Scottsdale Bible Church. I hope it lasts. I know that it doesn't always last in churches. You go through, we go through periods of differences and divisiveness, and there are people pulling and tugging one way or another. But as long as it lasts, we can be thankful because a lot of ministry can go forward. And so that's anything. On, that's all on the unifying work of the Holy Spirit, Pammy. Okay, well, I'm just going to leave that off the tape, uh, Pammy. <laughs> Some of you over here didn't hear this. That's all. It was. It, it's a really good question, Pammy. But I'm going to translate it into um, more politically neutral terms. <laughs> How is it that sometimes people in the world can be kinder to each other? than Christians who beat up and criticize and not literally shoot each other, but um, character assassinate each other, things like that. There's something else going on. and Because it's this deal where if you take part of the truth from the Bible and have it only the only thing you talk about, then you don't have the whole truth. And go back 15, 20 weeks, where I talked about the danger of false doctrine in the church and how it leads people astray. And... I think that the Lord wants us to work not only for the unity of the church, but also for the purity of the church. And there are some people who we just don't want to come and preach in the pulpit here, or who I would not want to teach this class on Sunday morning, because, because I think that they would lead the 
levers astray. And then when we have responsibilities for leadership in an organization, as I talked about being on the executive committee of this Evangelical Theological Society, then people come along and they start teaching, God doesn't know the future, he doesn't know what we're going to choose to do tomorrow morning. And then people say, wait, isn't that harmful? So we have to protect the unit. There's a unity, but it, it also has to be coupled with a desire for purity. And, and uh, when we seek that, there's a mistake that people can make of seeking unity and allowing all sorts of error, and then those churches just drift into believing nothing eventually. But there's another mistake of being harsh and judgmental, and everybody who differs with me over some little tiny thing is um, I, I kick out, you know, or I criticize, and that that's not being Christ-like or loving either. And I think people can make mistakes. What you're saying is, how can Christians do that so often? There are people, and then the press loves to put them on, where they're just angry and they hold signs criticizing everybody. And that's not. And, and so this teaching should say, let's not do that. Okay. That was a cleansed version of, <laughs> politically cleansed version of. Tammy mentioned specific political figures. And, uh, anyway, thanks, Tammy. Anything else on unity of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> well, I'm just holding back from saying anything. Yes? What you said really resonated with me. There's a purity that you're trying to uh, uh, maintain. Yep. And in Tammy's example, where you're getting along and purity necessarily isn't trying to be maintained. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Where you allow wrongdoing to continue. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I agree. That's a. That's a. Mm. Uh, there's more I should say, but it takes me a field on that. Okay. It's a judgment. It's a judgment call of when do we say this shouldn't be allowed? Hiring new faculty at a seminary. How much breadth do we allow? It's always a judgment call and a decision. How, electing elders at a church. How much breadth do we allow? Or that kind of thing. So what kind of thing should we sponsor as a church and approve? Okay. I think what I was saying is that just because you see unity in a group yep. does not mean they are right. Good. Or that they have extraordinary love for one another. Okay. Uh, That's good. There could be something else. There's, there's times when we need to stand, and, and even if people are against us. Um, so Pammy's saying just because you see unity in a group, that doesn't mean that everything's right, because there can be unity on a wrong idea. And um, the Al-Qaeda terrorists are unified, I think, in evil. So that's a, okay, that's a helpful point to make. Okay, this is not the only thing the Bible says, but it's one of the things it says. Good. Okay. Now, uh, E, and this is kind of payoff to our lives. The Holy Spirit gives stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and blessing of God according to our response to him. Now, one example is Jesus himself, where Jesus was without sin, and the Holy Spirit remained on him. John 1.32, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. Uh, John 3.34, God has sent, utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Um, I think it, Jesus means to himself. He was uh, uh, uniquely empowered by the Holy Spirit in a way greater than anyone ever has been. And I think that's connected to the fact 
that he was always obedient to the Father. There was no sin in him. There was nothing in him grieving the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit would depart from him. He was always doing things that were pleasing to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uh, remained on him and filled him without measure. But with us, the situation can be different. The Holy Spirit can be grieved and cease to bring blessing to a situation. And so, Stephen, in Acts 7.51, goes back through the history of Israel in the Old Testament and summarizes it in not a very user-friendly or seeker-friendly way. He says, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did, so do you. And they stopped their ears. They didn't want to hear what he was saying. Then they stoned him. So, but what was he doing? He was, uh, I think, speaking in the power of the Holy Spirit to rebuke their resistance of the Holy Spirit, these people who were not accepting Jesus as the Messiah, at least not at that point. Um, although some of the hearers included Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul, and I'm sure it had an effect on him. Okay, so uh, there was a resisting of the Holy Spirit when? Throughout the Old Testament, when God's people turned away from him or disobeyed him. They were resisting the Holy Spirit. And Stephen gave examples of that through history in Acts 7, that long speech. Paul says to the Ephesians, don't grieve, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Earlier in Ephesians, he had said, uh, be, oh no, it's, uh, where is it? Well, it's in Ephesians where he says, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's later, the next chapter. So he wants them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But here he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. That is, you can have times of blessing in your life, and you know God's favor, and you know that, oh, things are you're, you're seeing answers to prayer, and you read your Bible, and it's meaningful, and there's a sense of the presence of God. And then if you consciously do something wrong, you consciously do something that's contrary to Scripture, then you'll grieve the Holy Spirit, and Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that, because when you do that, then he withdraws a measure of his influence in your life, a measure of his presence and blessing. Or 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul says, don't quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. So uh, that could happen. There's something worse that can happen. There are more serious offenses against the Holy Spirit. There is hardened disobedience where someone's rebuked, 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 and warned and keeps on in sin. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And apparently this was a very serious uh, sin against this the Holy Spirit had filled the community. There was this sharing with one another. There was this caring. There was a sense of joy and love and, and truthfulness, no doubt. And in the midst of that wonderful situation, Ananias and his wife planned and conspired together to lie and say, hey, we sold this for so much, and here's the whole proceeds. And in fact, they were lying about it. And Peter said, why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? And he fell down dead, disciplined by God. Or uh, Hebrews 10.29, Paul talked, or not Paul, but the author of Hebrews says someone could outrage the spirit of grace and then the Holy Spirit's work can be removed. I have seen instances where, where thriving, prospering churches went down to 30 people, then 20 people, and then they sold it, sold the building, because why? Some, there was some sin 
that was not dealt with. I, I remember speaking in church like that. It had gone from 300 to 30. And they asked me to come and speak, and I spoke, and I heard a little bit about the history of the church. And I said to the, one of the leaders, there, I said, is there some... It, was there something that happened here that there should have been church discipline exercised and it wasn't? I just made a stab in the dark. And he said, yes. <laughs> and it never was dealt with. And the, the result was there. There was a grieving of the Holy Spirit that persisted. And he just the Holy Spirit just said, you resist me so long, I'm going to depart. So that's a warning to all of us. In our church, in our individual ministries, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And then there's something even worse, and that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Every sin and every blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit or against the Spirit will not be forgiven, says Jesus. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. I, and people differ on this. There's been a discussion of what this means, and um, oh, I think in another class session we maybe dealt with this in the area of sin more fully. But I think what it is is willfully and maliciously attributing to Satan the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it comes from an, a very deeply evil, hard-hearted resistance to the work of the Spirit and the message of the gospel. I think if anybody is worried that he or she has committed that sin, well, you haven't. Because worrying that you have still indicates there's some softness in your heart from some desire to come to God. And when someone is this hardened against the Holy Spirit and has committed that willful, malicious blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, then there is no sense of sorrow or desire to come back to God at all. So those are degrees of resisting of the Holy Spirit. By contrast, there's a positive emphasis. By contrast, in the life of Christians whose conduct is pleasing to God, the Holy Spirit will be present to bring great blessing. And this is where I want to end up, and this is the application to, um, to our lives that I want to emphasize today. If we walk in a way that's pleasing to God and seek God's presence and seek the Holy Spirit's presence and empowering and direction and guiding in our lives and our ministry, I believe the Holy Spirit will bring great blessing. Acts 2, 7 to 8, I think this verse is setting the stage for the entire history of the church until Christ returns. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh in the last days. And I think the last days began there at Pentecost and they continue until the day Christ returns. And there's a promise that God will pour out his spirit on us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you. Paul writes that to the Corinthians. I can say that on the authority of God's word to all of you who have trusted in Christ. You are God's temple. God's spirit dwells in you. So shouldn't we expect the Holy Spirit then to bring great blessing to our lives? The fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with us. The spirit of uh, or the 2 Corinthians 13, 14. 1 Peter 4, 14 uh, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And, and so, I, I think that means that uh, these verses mean that there is a work of the Holy Spirit that, that we can expect to bring these truths, to bring empowering, point one or point A of the outline, to bring purification in our lives, 
to reveal or guide us in our daily activities, to unify us. I think we can expect that. And as we walk in obedience and seek his blessing, those evidences should become stronger. We should see more power, more effectiveness in our prayers and our witness, more purity in our lives, more desire for purity, more guidance effectively. So we're guided into what the Holy Spirit wants us to do and more unity. Shouldn't we then seek that that happens? Shouldn't we seek for all our ministry? And by ministry, I don't just mean leading a youth group or, or you know, working with the women's ministry or working with children or leading a small group. I mean by ministry, all of your interaction with your neighbors or your relatives or other believers that you're caring for. And your prayer time personally at home is a kind of ministry too. You're praying for others. Shouldn't we seek that all our ministry be done in the Holy Spirit? to consciously dwell in the godlike atmosphere created by the Holy Spirit, to be continually in an atmosphere of God's manifested presence. It's surprising to me how many activities the New Testament tells us can be done in the Holy Spirit. So uh, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. There can be a joy. Maybe you put a worship tape on in your car when you're driving or at home, and all of a sudden you've got this unusual sense of joy that comes up. I'm seeing some nods. You know what I'm saying? That's the Holy Spirit imparting God's joy to you. And, and I'm just saying that to say let's be aware of that. Okay? To rejoice, It's possible to rejoice in the Holy Spirit. That's a better, deeper, richer, fuller kind of rejoicing than rejoicing that your favorite sports team won or that your candidate won or in the primary or something like that, there, or that your business did well, or that you got an extra check from something at the end of the... There's joy in sort of good things like that or joy in a good meal, but there's joy in the Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe even all of those things, when they come and you have a sense of this is God's answer to prayer or God's blessing, then there's a rejoicing in the Holy Spirit that's deeper or fuller than any worldly rejoicing. Acts 19.21, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. He made up his mind what he was going to do. Isn't that interesting? You can make decisions about the future in the Holy Spirit. And then Margaret and I sat down with a calendar for 2008 just a few nights ago, and we looked over what we're going to kind of plotted out, what we have, what we're going to do. And there were two things that I'd been asked to travel to and speak at in March, and Margaret first and I second had this sense that I should say no to both of those invitations, go out of state. And as we talked about it and we prayed and asked God's guidance, there was a sense, no, but that isn't what God wants us to do. And so I, in fact, there were three of them. And so I sent emails just politely declining those three. And that's why I could say, it looks like I'm going to be here for the entire four months. It just seems like there was a resolving in the Holy Spirit that that's what God, he wanted us to keep those times free. I'm not sure that I understand all of what that's about. I have some sense of it, but you can do that. Or other times you've... Have, is there another example? 
you're deciding whether to do something. And you sense the Holy Spirit guiding that decision. Anybody else give? I'm giving all my examples here. Help me. Hmm? Moving. Where? Hmm? Oh, <laughs> you mean from one place to another? Yeah, a oh, great example, because that's a big life decision. Yeah, can you say anything more about, uh, did it happen in your, or is it right now what you're thinking about? Wow. When did you move? Two years. Two years ago, from California to here. You prayed about it? Prayed about it. And it didn't happen in one day. It was a decision that took place over time, maybe? I would expect, yeah. yeah. But when you kind of made the decision, then it's you had a sense that was right. It was what God wanted you to do. Yeah. And has it turned out that way? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great example. What's your name? Uh, Vince. Vince. Okay. And... Berta, Vince and Berta. Good. Good example. Yeah. Deciding to move here. Resolving something in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Over time, praying about it, increasingly having a sense, this is right, it's it's what God wants us to do. I think that's what Christians should do. I think that's the way decisions should be made. You think about a whole bunch of factors, you know, cost, location, people, job, or what you're going to be doing. But there's also this inward sense of the Holy Spirit's giving direction and encouragement. It's a combination resolved in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, name. Uh, I'm Al, Al, and I would say that uh, selecting a, a, a church where yeah. where uh, where uh, you want to be part of the church yep. and uh, and you want a, a uh, Bible-based church yep. that, that really teaches God's Word. Yeah, good, good. And I think God wants some people here and some people in other churches. And I can't decide that for them. Uh, But I want them to pray and have a sense of being able to resolve in the Spirit that when you come to make the decision, yeah, the Holy Spirit's guiding this. Good, good, good. couple of good decisions there. Good choices. Um, Romans 9.1, Paul says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. He is saying... I am telling the truth, and I am so convinced of that, that my conscience is saying this is right, and I'm sensing the Holy Spirit's presence in saying that. Isn't that interesting? Senses the Holy Spirit's favor. Or Colossians 1.18, he's made known to us your love in the Spirit, the love of the Colossian church for Paul. It wasn't just human love. It was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Revelation 1.10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? John, I think he was just in prayer, meditation on God's Word, probably worship. And there was a sense of the Holy Spirit's presence that was just, it was strong. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Does that ever happen to you? It, it, I, I, I'll see. Sense of God's presence when you're praying, maybe? Sense of peace? Yeah, Wanda? You say yes? Yeah. What? Can you give words? You don't want me to call on you. You're way in the back. You want to say anything more about that? No? Okay. That's fine. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) I think we should spend time every day reading the Bible and then quietly waiting on God and talking to him about things that he brings to mind. 
Okay? And if, if some of you are just going like this, you don't want me to call on you, but you know what I'm talking about. That's, that's, that's being in the spirit, I think. And I think we can grow in the sense of having that persist through the day, being guided by the Holy Spirit, and when to speak and when not to speak, when, I mean, what to say and what not to say, to be in the spirit. It comes from Bible reading, comes from prayer, comes from worship, but it's a discipline that we can grow in work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 5, 18, don't get drunk with wine, that is a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, uh, having a sense of the Holy Spirit's presence. That's something we should seek and can grow stronger in our lives. And I, ju- I, I really strongly believe this doesn't just apply to Sundays when we're in church. It applies to Mondays when we're out on the job or in the neighborhood or visiting relatives or traveling or whatever. Therefore, our Christian lives, it's important that we depend on the Holy Spirit's power. Zechariah 4.6, how does any great work come about? Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. And I, I think I should say this isn't just church things. This is for your work, too. Okay? To pray that the Holy Spirit would guide, because if he's calling you to do that work, then he would guide in that. Um, we should walk according to the Spirit, set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Um, and this comes by hearing with faith. Part of why I'm reading these verses again and again is God's Word, when you hear it, take it into your mind, it penetrates your heart, and God's Word builds up faith. And Paul says the Holy Spirit comes to you by hearing with faith. So I want you to hear these words and say, yes, that's true. Okay, it's true in my life. Okay, I believe it's going to be true this afternoon. So that's hearing with faith. I'm going to expect the Holy Spirit will make his presence known to me. Okay? Hearing with faith. Reading about it, that this is true, what the Bible says, and then thinking, okay, I believe, Lord, this, this could apply to my decision-making process today. All right? Do you want to live in the Spirit? Shouldn't we be aware of and... and Recognize the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, somebody on the search committee said to me, we were listening to a bunch of different sermons, but we kept coming back to these sermons by Jamie Rasmussen. Well, that's, I think that's a evidence of the Holy Spirit's leading. See, we just kept coming back to them. There's something about them. I'm trying to give examples. Somebody else help me here. Or question. We're about at the end. Uh, name? Dottie. Dottie, yeah. Uh, my question is, um, we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and we talk about having the Holy Spirit. Yep. But my question is, is do we have all of the Holy Spirit that we're going to have when we receive him, or do we just become more responsive to him as we grow? It's both him and us. Yes, we can become more responsive, but I think that the Holy Spirit, I mean, in the negative sense, he can be grieved, okay, and and withdraw his presence. The Holy Spirit withdrew his presence from Samson. The Lord had left him. The Holy Spirit withdrew from Saul, but anointed David. But then then there can be times of being filled with the Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So I know I hear people say, well, when we believe we have all the Holy Spirit, we're going to get, I think. It over that 
teaching overlooks something, and that is the Holy Spirit can work more or less strongly. He can manifest his presence more or less clearly in our lives. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Paul is saying that, and but walk by the Spirit. Okay, He's saying that to encourage them, be filled with the Spirit, that there's an intensification of the relationship so the Holy Spirit can work more strongly in our lives. Not just be there... Yes, okay, there's, there's, we're born again, we're believers, but that isn't where God wants to leave us. He wants us to have more evidence and more results of his presence, more of his power, more answers to prayer, more guidance in prayer. Look, if you're saying, here's one simple way. If you're saying, I don't know what you're talking about, Wayne. It doesn't make any sense to me. Take five more minutes this afternoon or tomorrow than you normally would. Five more minutes in your regular time of reading the Bible, take five more minutes, just say, okay, I'm going to wait quietly in God's presence and see what happens. Okay? Or you could even say, Holy Spirit, if there's something you want to show me, or if there's something you want to bring to mind, then please do that. And then just wait. That's, that's one just simple thing to do. And what I find is, sometimes I rush through the day and don't do that. But when I stop and do that, that oftentimes the Lord's presence will become, there will be a stronger sense of peace, stronger sense of just, I'm in the presence of God. And I I think that that just should be part of our Christian life. I think I'm making sense to most of you, and you're just, I don't want to pound it too much. But yeah, okay, back here. What's your name? Yep. have identified and exercised. Yep. Is it appropriate to pray that we might have some other gift that we well. desire deeply and that we know uh, mm-hmm. could be used? Is it appropriate to pray for other gifts? Um, Paul encouraged the Corinthians in one case, it's the one verse I know of, where he said, he was talking about this speaking in tongues, and he said, he who prays in a tongue should pray that he might interpret. And so, uh, where is that? It's First Corinthians. I'm not finding it. It's in 12 to 14 someplace. But yes, I th- but the short answer is yes. I think if you see need for a gift of encouragement or gift of mercy, or I think there are all sorts of gifts, or a gift of prayer, or... or gift of evangelism or something. Lord, would you gift me in this way? If he's calling you to something, pray that he gifts you in it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, over here. Um, Name, I, I'm Greg. Greg, yes. Um, it's, it's like we are conditioned to do it ourselves. And the mm-hmm. more we yield ourselves or yep. die to ourselves, yep. the more we allow the Holy Spirit to work. So as yep. we go through the daily activities, yep. if we come across something that we do not know. We're trying to just do it ourselves the way we think it should be done. Yep. Maybe the more we yield to ourselves mm-hmm. and say, okay, Christ, you move forward as I move forward, mm-hmm. then I'm not doing it. You're doing the work for me. Yep. Greg, this really helpful. So one copy. by one, moment to moment move. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And it might just take, it might be just thinking, not more than a or two, of just, just stopping and saying, okay, Lord, I'm not going to do this in my own strength. Will you, I, I need you. Will you help me now? Just, just quietly before we just plow ahead, being aware and asking the Lord's help. Could be that. Yeah. 
Good. Yeah, over here to Carol. Carol, good to see you here. Carol had surgery, neck surgery, and then a really severe pain, and we've had this on the prayer list, in your shoulder, which... My left, left shoulder, shoulder and my arm, and I am yeah. feeling better, uh, about 40% better, and but I keep thank praying. you all for prayers. Yeah. It's the second time I've put on makeup and come out, and mm. I praise the Lord. But I just want to share that my daily prayer, and often more times than once, I just pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness. Mm -hmm. uh, and through that, I mean, the Holy Spirit helps me to live mm -hmm. and guide me. Yeah. And if we didn't <clears throat> have the Holy Spirit, I think we're missing a big part of mm -hmm. the Trinity. I really, Good. anyone that doesn't understand, I encourage them <laughs> to come to you or or, or me, and I, I'll I'll help them mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's such an important part of my life. Mm -hmm. As Good. I mentioned to you last night, I really want to hear the rest of this lesson. <laughs> Thanks, Carol. Thank you. Okay. Good. Thanks for that comment. Part of what I'm trying to do here is say, this is not a big, secret, mysterious, unusual thing. It's ordinary Christian living. And my guess is it's in varying measures part of where most all of you live from time to time. But I'm, wanting, I'm trying to encourage that aspect of your life, of being consciously aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. Is that, is that making sense? I'm not sure after coming back from being gone five weeks or so. Um, if that's all getting through, but I think I think it is. Last comment, and then we have a song. Somebody over here. Okay. Uh, well, name. Rosemary. Rosemary. In step five, you have in the life of Christians whose conduct is pleasing to God, and the Holy Spirit will be present to bring great blessings. Mm -hmm. What about the times that we don't get blessings? Are we doing step two, grieving the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Um, Job reminds us there are times when we go through times of testing that are not the fault of our own sin, but just because God allows them somehow to strengthen us and for his own purposes. So, Rosemary, it's not, there's no one answer in that situation. And I it can happen in different areas. I mean, Margaret and I went through a time 10 years ago when it seemed like again and again and again we'd pray for someone for physical healing and there would be healing. But now Carol just talked about the pain that she had. And, and we, we stood in the back of the room here and prayed for Carol. And I prayed for her two or three times. And there's still no result. Why? I don't know. I see the Lord guiding me in other areas, but somehow those answers to prayer that were there in one area are not there right now. At, not as often, anyway. It's not that there's no answer. So ultimately, that's up to God. But what my responsibility is to keep myself as free from any conscious sin that I know of, so I'm ready for him to work in me, keep reading his word and praying and being faithful day by day, and wait to see what he will do. <clears throat> I think also, if you're, you say, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, and I just and just stuff's not going right in my life, then it would be good to find a friend or, 
or someone here in the class or in the church to, to talk with and pray with and see, let's see if there's a way to move forward. Okay, good, 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 honest question. Yeah, I said we we're going to sing. I think I'm going to... Real quick. You answered her question on November 24th when you were here. What did I say? What you said was when you can't find the answer, wait, the answer isn't there yet. Oh, when you can't find the answer, wait, the answer isn't there yet. Okay, good. Holy Spirit, we come to you. And I, I don't know if what I've said and these verses from your word have, have really made things clear, but would you, Lord... Would you, Holy Spirit, make yourself known and guide each of us and teach us and fill us and change our hearts and empower us and direct us and unify us and purify us increasingly through this week. Let this fellowship with you become just a regular and ordinary and usual and common part of our Christian lives so that for each of us you will guide us into the paths of obedience that you have for us so that you would fill our hearts with joy in you and worship and praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week.